Hey, Trumpcast listeners, Virginia Heffernan here. You're about to hear a short excerpt from today's episode of Trumpcast. It's riveting, but to listen to the full episode, you need to be a Slate Plus member. That's no hardship. You can join now at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus and listen to the whole episode and all episodes of Trumpcast ad-free. We've started making one in four Trumpcast episodes exclusive to Slate Plus members, and these are some of the best ones. We hope you'll join to hear the show and to support the work that we do here at Slate. You'll get no ads on any of our podcasts and extra content from Slate shows like Slow Burn and the Slate Political Gab Fest. So sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to get every single Trumpcast episode in full. It's only $35 for the first year. Thanks for listening. Hello, welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Leon Krause from Los Angeles, California. I have to admit that today, as an immigrant, a father of an immigrant and a Hispanic journalist, I am angry and I'm worried. Last week, during the State of the Union speech, Donald Trump spent almost 20 minutes, I counted them, talking about immigration, the border, and the immigrant experience in general in the United States. It was the most virulent, aggressive, and toxic speech I have heard from him on the issue, perhaps, since that brutal, brutal campaign speech in Arizona in August of 2016. He lied, misled, and exaggerated about immigration and vilified immigrants in one of the most shameless fear-mongering speeches I have heard ever. He described the border as a very dangerous place, lawless, not the vibrant and prosperous region it really is, but a place that belongs to coyotes, cartels, drug dealers, and human traffickers. And Republican lawmakers stood up, standing ovation to this line. Incredible. Trump misrepresented, again, the immigrant caravans. He falsely claimed that the city of El Paso, Texas, had once been the country's most dangerous place. He repeated the lie that immigrants are a burden on the economy. They are not. He again used tragic yet very specific crimes committed by individual undocumented immigrants over the last few years to draw an unfair and deeply flawed generalization that demonized the community as a whole. As he usually does, Trump repeated these lies while constantly coming back to fear-mongering the immigrant as a threat to the nation's safety, especially the working class. This, to an audience, and this is incredible, when I, when I did some research on the number and, and found out this number that I'm going to share with you right now, I found it just terrifying. An audience of 50 million people in 32% of American households. Outrageous. Terrifying. But that's not the reason I'm angry today. What really angered me is how many people in the news business, my, my colleagues, and in American public opinion in general, have normalized Trump's perverse nativist rhetoric on immigration. That's what happened after the speech. Apparently, people much rather talk about Nancy Pelosi's uh, sarcastic clap, the meme, uh, 
that came out of it, the symbolic way, which was important, but still, the symbolic way Democratic Congresswomen chose to dress, the color they chose, why they chose it, a child sleeping in the gallery, or how Trump supposedly appealed to a new era of bipartisanship. Anything, anything but point out the ugly elephant in the room, the president's unbelievably vile, repugnant nativist rhetoric. And I have to be very honest here. To normalize bigotry, to look at bigotry with a sense of frivolity, ah, you know, this is what usually happens. It's Trump again, repeating what he usually says. Ah. To normalize it is to give it legitimacy. And nothing, in my opinion, is more important than resisting the normalization of this man's bigotry. To normalize it is to enable it and the man behind it. Period. That's why I'm angry. In any case, drug smuggling along the border has become one of Trump's recent obsessions. We heard it in the speech as well. Our guest today is Germán López. He's a senior correspondent at Vox, among other things. Germán uh, writes about Trump, border security, and the opioid crisis. Germán, welcome. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. So let me begin by, by saying something we rarely say here in Trumpcast. The president is right. He's right in, in worrying about the opioid epidemic. How bad is it, Germán? If you hear all the news reports about all these deaths and whatnot, you might not even come away with the right perception of just how big of a crisis this is. We're talking about something that uh, just last uh, in 2017, it was estimated that drug overdoses killed about 70,000 people. That's about the same so far based on what the 2018 numbers we have that, that were last year. But I think to put this in context, it's helpful to think of like gun violence, think of uh, HIV AIDS and there are more overdose deaths now in general than there are ever were at the peak of gun violence, at the peak of car crash deaths, at the peak of the HIV AIDS crisis. It's a crisis that has now killed more people than currently live in major American cities like Baltimore. And like it is just a massive crisis and one that a lot of people argue needs a, a huge response in terms of public funding and, and whatnot. Which drugs are doing this? Heroin, fentanyl? Yeah, so the about two-thirds of the 70,000 overdose deaths are related to opioids, and that includes uh, painkillers, but increasingly the biggest drugs now are fentanyl in particular, which is an illicit, um, well, it's used. It's actually legal to use as a painkiller in some settings, but most of the fentanyl that causes these overdoses is believed to be illegal, like made in, in clandestine labs around the world and then transferred to the U.S., so this is an illicit opioid. It's much more potent than heroin, and that's what's causing most overdose deaths at this point. But there's also heroin, and there's also painkillers. Those are also causing a bunch of opioid deaths as well. Where do these uh, drugs come from currently? What's the breakdown of uh, the geographic origin? So it, we don't have like the best data on this, but we do know that generally the fentanyl seems to be coming from labs in China. So it's transferred either through Canada, through the mail directly to the U.S., or through Mexico. That's that's generally where it's believed to be coming from. Heroin is mostly coming just directly from Mexico, and the uh, opioid painkillers are mainly coming from doctors in the U.S. But since the biggest thing right now is is the fentanyl, uh, that that's what a lot of people are watching, and a lot of that comes from China. 
And uh, the, the smallest quantities do tremendous damage of fentanyl, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about a drug. It, it, you can measure it in different ways, but it's about a uh, hundred times more potent than morphine, or it can be up to a hundred times more potent than morphine. So that's that's a really strong drug. It's far more potent than heroin, depending on which kind of heroin you're com- uh, comparing it to, because there are different kinds of potencies of heroin. But it's far more potent than heroin. I mean, one of the the types of fentanyl that's out there is carfentanil, and this is something that has been used as an elephant tranquilizer in some settings. So we're talking about really, really strong stuff. Now, while, while Donald Trump might be right about the, the opioid epidemic, uh, he has failed to approach this crisis in a, in a smart way. Uh, how so? You, you've, you've written about this. How so? So I think that the biggest thing is, like, Congress has allocated some money for addiction treatment and here and there, but it's nowhere near enough. Like, generally, when you, when you talk to experts about this, the, the numbers that they say are necessary are tens of billions of dollars. Um, which is the like, Congress has allocated a few billions here and there. With, with Trump's support, they've allocated a few bits of funding here and there. But generally, we need tens of billions. And to put why we need that much money in context, Trump's own Council of Economic Advisors has said that the opioid crisis has cost more than $500 billion in economic value. So, I mean, when we're talking about like tens of billions of dollars, that's a, a big number to a lot of people. But it's compared to the damage that the opioid crisis has done, the argument is it's actually not that much money. It would be a massive return on investment because it would actually uh, reduce this kind of harm. And and the other thing here is it's not just that Trump hasn't done addiction treatment funding, which is what experts argue is like the main thing that's needed here. He also has focused way too much on like traditional war on drugs, border security stuff. So obviously the biggest time he mentions the opioid crisis again and again is with the wall. And if you talk to like, a bunch of drug policy experts, a bunch of border security experts, they're pretty much in agreement that a wall won't do much, if anything, to stop the flow of drugs into the U.S. So that's the teaser for today's show. Aren't you tantalized? Don't you want to hear the whole thing? Well, now's your chance. You can sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast plus to get every single Trumpcast episode, all of it, no ads. It's only $35 for the first year. Go to slate.com slash Trumpcast plus.